you're locked in to the leading source for ASU news and discussion. Get your wolves up. It's the Wolfcast on ASURW.com. Welcome back to the Wolfcast from ASURW.com. Thanks for joining us. We are your unofficially official Red Wolves fans for Red Wolves ASU football talk. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for ASURW. You can find us at Twitter, at ASURW. And uh, just follow us, like our page on Facebook, and you can keep up to date with uh, the goings-on at ASURW. I'm your host tonight, Terry. I'm joined by Jeremy and Mitch. Guys, it's been a while since our last show, and we've got lots to catch up on. Are you guys ready? Let's roll. Definitely. Wolves up. Wolves up. Well, guys, we've uh, been kind of absent for a little bit just uh, due to scheduling conflicts and tef- technical difficulties. So we're going to kind of give a thousand-foot view of the goings-on with uh, the Red Wolves for the 2015 season, do a little catching up, a little synopsis of uh, the season as it has been so far. So a uh, lot of action so far. Uh, when we last all got together for this podcast, it was – uh, prior to the USC game. And since then, we are a quarter of the way through the season. So tonight we're going to recap uh, a lot of information. So fans, just stick with us. Uh, turn your ears on and sit back and relax. And just uh, we're going to bring you some ASU Red Bulls football discussion. So to start out, let's talk a little bit, guys, about the uh, the USC game. Do a little recap. Uh, final score, USC 55 ASU six uh, had a few bright spots in the game. Uh, scored definitely didn't turn out to be what we thought it was going to be, uh, or maybe what it, what some of us thought it was going to be. But uh, it was a little bit ugly. But uh, there were some bright spots in the game. Uh, we just kind of didn't get our offense going, but defensively we saw some things that we liked. Um, uh, Jeremy, what did you think overall? Were kind of the bright spots. Uh, that we could take away from the USC game? Without a doubt, our ability to limit their running game. Uh, without, If you take away a big big play, they hardly weren't able to, to run the ball on us. And our ability to get to the quarterback with uh, five sacks, uh, led by two and a half from true freshman Tajay Chambers playing his first game in college. Uh, so you got to like what you saw from the defense on an improvement standpoint. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there wasn't wasn't a lot to gain from that game. We knew that we were going up against a uh, top-ranked opponent, opponent. USC was ranked number eight going into that game. So it was a tall order to keep it close, much less, you know, show any sparks of really anything. Uh, Mitchell, let's talk a little bit about one of the major things that kind of did stick out in that game, and that was turnovers. Uh, we had four tur- total turnovers in that game. Uh, kind of speak to that a little bit and, and give us your thoughts on on uh, the turnovers in that game. Well, I think uh, I'm going to go back to January and uh, what killed the momentum of the bowl game, and that was the turnover at the very first play from scrimmage. And going into the start of a new year, you wanted to be able to protect the football, but we couldn't get the offense going with the with USC's defensive pressure, and we ended up turning the ball over four times not the way you want to start out a new year. And, and I think it, it, that has even kind of set the pace going forward for the entire season. 
Um, so not only uh, were we turning the ball over, but USC was capitalizing off those turnovers. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a snowball effect. Uh, your offense loses momentum, and not only does that happen, but USC is putting the ball in the end zone, so they're scoring off of your mistakes. And, and those are the type of mistakes that you cannot afford to, to make when you're playing a, uh, really anybody, but especially a top 25 opponent, let alone a top 10 opponent on the road. And so this was not the way that ASU wanted to start off the season. Yeah, Mitch, I think you're right, and and we're gonna we're gonna go back to this turnover subject a lot uh, throughout the show, um, as our fans that are listening are gonna see, because uh, as we any of us that have watched these games so far, four games into the season, you're gonna know that turnovers have been a big factor. Um, there are also uh, a little bit of injuries or people getting banged up in the game. Nothing too major, but. Uh, that's always one of the things you want to watch out for. And one of the things I personally always hate to see in these non big non-conference games is getting people banged up and injured, especially you know, when the games really don't matter when it comes down to it other than perception. Uh, they don't uh, benefit us any for as far as the conference title is concerned. So um, that's basically the 1,000-foot view of the USC game. I think overall going into that game, we, we thought – we could be competitive. Uh, we thought we had a team that uh, might be able to show something, but then we also were realistic in thinking that uh, it was going to be a tall order to really do a whole lot um, to keep the score on the USC side low. Um, but uh, one of the things that, to point out is we did have, I think the the biggest bright spot is, you know, that we had five sacks in the first half, and and that was huge, and Jeremy touched on that and the, how the defense played and really got after Cody Kessler. So that was definitely one of the things that we took away the most, especially building confidence and going into the following week, uh, our home opener at Missouri. So let's go ahead and just uh, segue into that. Uh, after that USC game, we went back home September 12th, the home opener of the 2015 season against a another top 25 opponent in the University of Missouri. Uh, it was uh, the first kind of opening game to showcase our new press box facilities, uh, all of those changes, and uh, I think that uh, there was a lot of excitement, a lot of hype into that game. Uh, but uh, we kind of went in with kind of, I guess, high hopes that we could t- we could play really tough against uh, Missouri and uh Jeremy let's uh let's kind of take it away and tell us kind of how that game went well uh it was a game that we played a really darn good first half and actually led at the half 17 to 10 uh in large part due to a couple of spectacular touchdown catches from senior wide receiver Trez Houston one of which made number three on the sports center uh college football plays of the night um so uh you had uh, the offense and, well, and particularly the defense playing well in the first half. And, uh, you know, you go into the locker room feeling good. And then the third quarter happened and they take the lead and, and our offense suddenly stalls out. They they uh, manned up on us on the defensive line. And uh, then Freddie Knighton uh, has to leave the game in the late third quarter with a, with an apparent, uh, with a pulled groin injury. And uh, James Tavery has come in uh, and was really you know, not ready to lead the offense, you know, to come from behind victory over an SEC opponent. 
And so we lose 27 to 20 in that ball game. Uh, but you know that one is one that you certainly feel a lot more positive of about than you did uh, coming out of the USC game because you went or you're up against a top 25 opponent. Granted, at your home stadium, but you went toe to toe with them physically and and had a chance to quite honestly win the ball game. So. Yeah, I agree. Mitchell, uh, what did you see in that game that uh, was kind of positive looking forward? I think uh, it, I, I really uh, liked our, our effort, especially uh, uh, among our receiving core. Um, we, we caught the ball well, which was something that Missouri couldn't say. I mean, you, you think about all the drop passes Missouri had. Uh, I mean, they could have easily had another, what, two to three touchdowns had they actually just caught the ball. And so, you know, uh, Tres Houston with those two monster touchdown receptions, I, I think that was fantastic. And not only that, but it was uh, Freddie's ability to put the ball right where it needed to be. And and so I, I think whenever Freddie went down and you, and you saw that uh, J.D. go down, I think that really just took a whole lot of wind out of our cells. And, and it really just uh, kind of stalled the offense. And so, um, I mean... I really liked our ability to move the football against Missouri. And we're talking about, you know, at the time, a top 25 opponent. So, you know, that uh, that's definitely a positive whenever uh, whenever you're able to, uh, to put up points. Probably should have gotten more points against a, a team like that. Yeah, you're right. And, and there were two drives that uh, we had to settle for field goals. Uh, you know, had we gotten touchdowns out of that, then, you know, you're looking at a much closer final score. And uh, had we just been able to take care of the ball in the second half, um, we're very probably walking out of there with a win over a top 25 opponent at home, uh, which is exactly what we thought we could do. And I think that game really it proved at the time that we could hang with a team like that, that we've recruited the talent and, and we're getting closer to be able to being able to compete with those kind of teams. And, and so it was definitely some bright spots and definitely some, you know, uh, areas that we saw that could definitely use improvement. Uh, again, as I said earlier, uh, talking about USC, kind of another theme of the night is going to be talking about turnovers. And in the Missouri game, we did have three turnovers. Now each team had three turnovers. So it was kind of a wash, um, but still untimely, uh, turnovers really have, you know, killed drives for us this season. Uh, we also had some injuries, uh, as, uh, Mitchell mentioned, uh, Freddie pulled his groin. And so his prognosis was going to be that, uh, he was out for a couple weeks or, you know, until it healed, uh, Bo Centimore, uh, new safety out of a JUCO. Uh, he actually broke a, a bone in his leg, uh, lower leg, ankle area, and so uh, he's out for the season. Uh, and then also we've uh, lost Tajay Chambers, who was uh, so huge in the USC game, uh, out for the season uh, with the torn ACL, which really both of those injuries have really uh, were big blows to depth and two units that uh, – Really, we didn't have as much depth in the linebacking core and the secondary. So we're hopeful, We're hoping that uh, those guys heal up. Uh, our thoughts are out to them. It's It always is very uh, tough to have an injury like that and be out for the season. So uh, we hope that they heal up. But uh, I think Mitchell and Jeremy both uh, kind of touched on everything about the Missouri game. We had our opportunities, and we kind of let it slip by, but uh, – we did compete, and, and that was great. It was a great atmosphere and a great time there at Centennial Bank Stadium. 
Well, everybody, listeners out there, uh, go ahead and stick around. We're going to be back on the other side of the break to talk more Red Bulls football, and we're going to discuss what I like to call the bloodbath, which the Missouri State game was, and uh, then the debacle at the Glass Bowl this past weekend. We'll be right back on the Wolfcast from ASURW.com. in this next segment thanks for spending your time listening to the wolfcast from asurw.com we're catching up on the latest rebels football as it's happened so far this season and uh next up is we're going to talk about like i said uh, at the end of the last segment what i like to call the bloodbath and that was the uh arkansas state versus missouri state game uh that happened uh two weekends ago guys this was kind of what we expected it was going to be, and uh, if there was ever a bloodbath or a beatdown in a football game, this was it. Uh, not quite our biggest beatdown to date, but uh, ASU goes back home for the second straight week to take on FCS opponent in Missouri State, and uh, it got ugly fast. Final score of 70-7, to uh, with the Red Wolves taking a halftime lead of 49 to nothing. Uh, Jeremy, go ahead and give us a, a, a quick overview of this game and tell us uh, kind of how that went down. All right. Uh, so, um, basically, we uh, took the uh, our first possession, hit Darren Griswold over the middle. James Tabery started for Freddie uh, due to Freddie's injury from the Missouri game. And uh, he um, put on a show, 21 out of, t- uh, 21 out of 24 for uh, a freshman in his first career start which was uh phenomenal yeah and, and it, it was it, it was remarkable because we we jumped out on him early and then we never let up and and what better i mean we, we were talking about the atmosphere of the uh the missouri game and and it wasn't the same atmosphere i mean at the missouri state game but you know it we were honoring the 1970 national championship team and, and it was ag day so i mean you know we had all kinds of things going on and and the fact that uh, we jumped on them in the first quarter and then never let up, I mean, that that was remarkable and exactly what this team needed. Well, it was it was fun to see, and when you said atmosphere, you're exactly right. Just seeing our offense completely roll and score a ton of points was fun. I mean, it really was. It's fun to win. Even I mean, let's though, admit it. Yeah, it is. Well, it's fun to see – you know, it, it's fun to be in a position to be up forty nine nothing at halftime. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm I, I'm not kidding people to say that people don't like to watch teams score. And so, 
uh, you know, that's it's fun to the watch. The water sometimes. tastes Even better, though, wetter. You know, the the food tastes exactly. better. It, it, everything's just Air is the, the conversations are are going better, and you know, everybody's happy. So yeah, I. I, I it's euphoria, and then we think we're going to win the national championship. Exactly, or at least beat Toledo, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm going to jump uh, in here. I'm, I'm back into control ahead. now. But we hit on all cylinders in this game. Uh, what was neat to me is seeing a bunch of players score touchdowns, uh, some of them that were due. Darren Griswold, J.D. McKissick. Can you believe that was the first receiving touchdown for J.D. McKissick since November of 2013? That's way too long for a caliber yeah. of his pl- uh, player of his caliber. Uh, Griswold got him one. Um, even we got, uh, oh, uh, Hardy, Arkansas, uh, let's see. Sterling Stowers. Sterling Stowers, yes. He's been you know, a contributor for a football team for several years. Just hasn't got many uh, opportunities to catch a football with our depth at wide receiver. But he gets into the end zone. Four different running backs scored touchdowns. Johnson White had three of them. Gordon had one. Uh, and, uh. Let's see, even uh, Logan Moraney breaks off a long one, uh, 50-something yards uh, for his first career win, one one with his first career touchdown. So all that was good, and, I mean, it was a pretty much perfect day as far as what you could ask for with starting a backup quarterback. Yeah, absolutely, and we spread the, the offensive and touchdown scoring love. However, uh, so. the one thing that might have done is it might have gotten some of our fans to um, – hyped up about how our backup quarterback is in relation to our starter and uh, a little bit of that showed in the next game we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I don't want to spend a bunch of time on that, but I was going to bring up the fact that it it ignited a faux quarterback controversy, in my opinion. Uh, There was a lot of fans that uh, got their panties in a wad over, uh, you know, Freddie's first couple of games and, some of the turnover issues, um, and started, you know, hollering for Tabry to be the guy once uh, he perform put out this big performance against a really terrible FCS team that we scored seventy points on. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell all the listeners out there, uh, let's go ahead and put that whole controversy to rest, um, and let's just let's stick with our guy and let's not uh, let's not jump the shark just yet. Well, guys, we pretty much wrapped up the bloodbath. Uh, so let's uh, go ahead and roll into the game that was this past week. Um, I'm going to call it uh, the debacle at the Glass Bowl because that's exactly what it turned out to be. Uh, ASU goes up to Toledo, Ohio to take on uh MAC conference opponent in uh, Toledo. It was a rematch uh, between two teams that met in January at the 2015 GoDaddy Bowl. Uh, this was supposedly a game that uh, A-State has had circled on the calendar uh, to get a little bit of revenge over that bowl loss where they uh, beat A-State, uh, Toledo beat A-State 66-44. to uh, They really kind of just ran all over us in that game. Really wasn't as close as the final score indicated. Uh, so we were really looking for uh, revenge in this game. And we showed up in the parking lot uh, like we were on a field trip and then realized, oh, crap, there's a football game to be played. Uh, Mitchell, let's talk a little bit about this debacle and uh, just kind of give us a synopsis of what you saw in this game. Well, I think uh, it was <laughs> – I mean, it, it was a straight beatdown. Uh, you know, it, it was one of those where uh, 
you you'd like to start out uh, quick and 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 get on there, but uh, get on them, get on them quickly. But uh, I mean, within uh, within three minutes, they'd already scored their first touchdown. Uh, you know, and and it wasn't far from that where uh, I think they they had even more points. And so, uh, you know, just getting behind early on the road is such a really tough thing to to overcome. And 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 you know the whether it was the turnovers or just not being able to move the football, I, I think as as the game progressed, you kind of saw a pattern that uh, this is not going to get better unless something dramatically happens, and it never did. And you know, I I I, I don't want to necessarily chalk it up to uh, to our game plan or or whatever, but I I just think that we were beat top to bottom. Most football games, you can find a positive. Ian, and I don't really know that you could find a positive in this game other than the continued uh, punting of Luke Ferguson. Yeah, he the, continues the, to do well. The special teams he were was phenomenal. our MVP in that. Well, except right. for the twenty-yard missed field goal. Well, right, but, but I mean, away. like you know, JD McKissick yeah, and the and the JD McKissick fumble. So there, there, there were two issues even with special teams. But. Yes, um, I agree. Uh, the punting was phenomenal, and, and other than that, you know, all around, that was a, a positive, was the special teams. But defense, you know, it gave us opportunities. Our defense wasn't terrible, uh, especially when you consider they were on the field the whole game, uh, and our offense didn't sustain drives, but our offense was bad, 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 bad. I, I, worst offensive performance I've seen from an ASU team in years. And we're talking about no offensive points and five turnovers. Uh, there's not much more you can say about it than that. So, Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It, what, what you were saying about not really anything good or positive to take away in there, you're really right. I mean, if we're having to resort to praising punting and special teams – that ought to tell you something. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, like I said, when I started this whole conversation, we it's like, and I have to give our friend Chase that uh, usually joins us on the Wolfcast credit for this, and this isn't verbatim what he said, but he basically made the comment that uh, it's like we, you know, showed up at Toledo and then realized, oh, that we have to play football. I mean, that's just the way it looked. We looked unprepared. We didn't look like we came to play. We didn't look motivated. We didn't have that attitude that this game had been circled on the calendar. I mean, we just didn't. We didn't come out aggressive. We didn't come out fighting. And and it was very disheartening just to see how sloppy we looked. Uh, it reminded me of games pre-Ryan Applin, you know, with Corey Leonard. Uh, you know, I like Corey. He was a great guy. He did great things for us at times. But, uh, you know, just the quarterback play with our, you know, redshirt freshman, just it just wasn't there. You know, there were several passes that he made that sailed over receivers' hands and were just playing off and it looked like he, in my opinion, it looked like he was throwing the deep ball just to try to win the game on his own because we were getting behind or just pick up big chunks of yardage and it just wasn't working. It wasn't there. Uh, we were going up against Toledo, who was a good team. They very well could be ranked, uh, you know, in the next week or two. They, I mean, they could be a New Year's Bowl type team out of the group of five. 
Um, you know, it they'll, is not. They'll probably be favored in, any, in every regular season game left on their schedule. Exactly. They, they probably will. So this game, that, and that's exactly the point. This is this was a game where you know we were not, uh, you know, supposed to just come overlook this team. We were supposed to show up and play ball, and uh, you know, we just didn't do it. You know, and so I don't want to just hash that uh, too much, but I will say we had five turnovers. Uh, so that you know continues that story. Um, and, uh, we did have one of our very important pieces on the defensive line, Robert Mundy, uh, who injured his knee. Uh, as of the latest news that I've heard regarding that, it's not clear whether he's going to be out for the entire season or a few weeks. Um, but uh, we're going to keep our eyes on that to see, uh, kind of what transpires, but uh, we're hoping that it's just a few weeks for him. And I think Javon Rollins Jones may have had a had a stinger, but that that's not too major of an issue. But hopefully, it doesn't turn into a lingering issue. Well, and I, I think we're, from this game, it's you know it's it's just the same pattern of 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 what we've seen in in each of the three losses, and that's uh, mistakes. And uh, you know the the, right. the old saying is that the team that uh, makes the fewest mistakes wins, and and whether that's turnovers or whether that's uh, penalties or whether that's missed blocks or or what is you know uh, badly thrown passes, and and we're making just a whole lot of mistakes. I mean, those three losses we have a combined twelve turnovers, you know, and and I, uh, you know, six fumbles, three three interceptions, and I, I just don't see any way that you can recover from that especially if you're playing a good team like Toledo. And so, um, exactly. you know, that, that's just one of the things that I think ASU has got to correct, uh, protect the football. It, it's important. And, and make sure that, uh, that uh, you know, that, that, that it is a priority. Because, uh, you know, until we actually, you know, start holding on to the football, and, I mean, it, it, does, like, it does not matter how good your offense is going to move the football. You, you keep making mistakes, whether those are penalties or turnovers, it's, uh, it's going to – backfire on you and you're going to lose points right yeah your offense can move the ball all day long but once you if you turn the ball over before you score points what difference does exactly it make? and i'll say this toledo came into this game as the number two red zone defense in the country uh, and the moment first of all we were down 10 to 0 before our offense had even the ability to take a snap but our defense came out with a huge play and with javon Rowland jones intercepting a pass uh an amazing play, uh, an interception. First career interception. Now, yes, um, where he, he basically leaped up, and, and instead of what you thought would have batted the ball down, he, he, it stuck in his hands. He caught it at about the eight or nine-yard line. That being said, he probably should have scored on the play where he was tackled by a falling-down quarterback. He, you gotta, <laughs> you got to run through a little quarterback if you're a defensive end or make it miss, but that didn't happen. Either way, we're set up first and goal. Uh, down ten to nothing, you think, all right, guys, let's punch this in, make it ten to seven, and we are right back in this football game. We exactly. immediately get a penalty, first play. I think it's a hold, and we get back put, pushed back outside the ten, an incompletion where we have J.D. McKissick open in the back of the end zone. We throw it too high, and he is not able to get a foot down because of that. And then we run a little screen to him and get it down to the three, and it's kind of like. Okay, we really need seven here. Do you want to go for this or take the points? Well, you got to take the points. And then we miss the field goal. Miss a 20-yard field goal from a kicker who has not missed a kick all year. 
and uh, he misses what's in effect an extra point from the left hash mark. And that was the point that I knew it was going to be a long, long day for us. When you get first and go from the five, and granted they are a good red zone defense, but we had our opportunities to score. We just didn't make it happen. But when you get zero points after first and go from the five on the road, it's not going to end well for you. Yeah, you're exactly right, and you just basically stole the words out of my, out of my mouth. That's what exactly what I was going to say. Is as soon as I saw that possession, the way it went down, um, I, I really knew that that spelled disaster for us for the rest of the day, and and that's unfortunately kind of the way. It you went. know, and uh, I'm kind of looking over the the post game notes for the for the game, and 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 you know, you look at this for your defense, and it, and it seems good on the outset. I mean, you know, you've got Javon Rollins Jones. First career interception, uh, Kari Lane, uh, team high nine tackles, uh, second most of his career. And then you've got Jamaris Hart, career high five tackles, Cody Brown, career high tackles, Waylon Robertson, career high tackles, Charleston Gurley, career high tackles, uh, Rocky Hayes, you know, uh, uh, career high with three pass breakups. But what that tells me more than anything was our defense was on the field. And and uh, that's right. uh, that's why they have all those stats is because – they were not getting on off the field, and um, and the offense didn't really. I mean, even when they did get on the field, they they it was three and out or uh, one or two first downs at the most, and and then the defense was or back on the field, you know. And so time of possession was just a huge, huge disadvantage for our team. Yeah, you're right. All right, guys, let's. Uh... In the words of Jesse, our our esteemed normal host, let's put a lid on this segment. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about how much about how we can fix some of our issues that we've seen on the field so far uh, as we go into Sunbelt play. We're going to talk about this weekend's upcoming gang, game against the Idaho Vandals for homecoming. So stick with us on the Wolfcast from ASURW.com. Girl, you sure got the beat in my chest bumping. Hell, I can't get you out of my head. from acrw.com is your unofficially official home for a state football talk and we can be found on twitter at asurw facebook like our page uh, and the podcast can be downloaded through itunes through the podcasts app uh, and you can also find us on the stitcher app uh, or last resort just go to asurw.com and stream the podcast straight from the page Guys, let's uh, get to going on our last seg- segment here. We're going to kind of change gears a little bit. We've been talking about the past, so let's talk about the future. Uh, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about our upcoming game this weekend. Homecoming game, first game in October, fall is in the air, the weather's changing, the leaves are starting to turn, 
And this is where, for me, football gets really good. When the weather starts to get cooler, when it's more like fall and less like summer, and, uh, and you know, it just feels like football time. So uh, we've got the Idaho Vandals coming to town all the way from Moscow, Idaho. Uh, they're going to come visit us with uh, Coach Paul Petrino. He's uh, infamous. Uh, in, ring the bell. Uh, ring the bell. Yeah. Fortunately, you, no if motorcycle. You don't know what we're talking about. Yes. Fortunately, he leaves his brother to the motorcycles. Uh, but if you don't know what the ring the bell joke is, uh, just Google or YouTube uh, Idaho Vandals and ring the bell, and uh, you'll get a good laugh out of that one. But anyway, let's uh, let's kind of talk before we get straight into. Idaho in this game, let's just kind of talk a little bit, since we've talked uh, just kind of about how the season has progressed so far, what are some of the ways that we can fix some of the issues we've seen? We've talked a lot about turnovers, we've talked a lot about kind of our lack of offensive production. Um, What are some areas that we can improve on? What are some fixes that we can come up with you know, I say this as if we're the coaching staff, you know, <laughs> but uh, what 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 do we need to look for to really get ourselves going for Sunbelt play? Jeremy, what do you think? Well, first of all, let's let's take care of the easy stuff first. Um, we've had way too many personal foul penalties in the first four weeks. I think we had two against Toledo and those are 30 yards of penalties. Uh, one by, you know, Tres Houston after a offensive pass interference uh, caught against Blake Mack, a, a, a swing where basically the play cost us from being on Toledo's 15-yard line to our 15-yard line. Uh, it pretty much it's one of the longest penalties you'll ever see when, when it was two penalties put together and put it in, put us in a like a first and, what, 35 or something like that. Um, first and 32, I think, was officially what it was, but it was might as well have been a But mile. who's counting? Yes. Yeah, Uh, our coaches need to come down hard on anybody who gets a personal foul, a dead ball personal foul. And I realize that uh, certain things, you know, are completely unintentional targeting. You know, most of the time those aren't on purpose. Uh, But dead ball personal fouls got to be gone, and any player who gets it should really reap the bit of reap the consequences for that uh, in practice. Uh, so so let, let me interrupt you there on that, Jeremy. So do you think, do you think, I guess, the advent of our players getting these type of penalties, do you think that that is a reflection on the coaches maybe being too soft or not emphasizing enough the need for not, you know, having those kinds of plays? Is it wrong if I say yes? I, I don't criticize our coaches very much, but um, yes, I mean – it's not a sign of a disciplined ball team and, and jumping off sides is not a, a sign of a disciplined ball team. And, and we're not showing those signs And when you are not, you know, monumentally better than everybody you play, you have to not beat yourselves. And, right. and we're doing that. And, and the other thing is I think some of our turnover issues will cut, will disappear when Freddie returns. Um, uh, and granted, he turned it over against USC and once against Missouri, but in all of those, or most of those cases, it was a situation where he was having significant pressure from an, a defensive line that our offensive line couldn't block. 
there aren't many of those left on the schedule that we just totally can't block. So some of that will correct itself with Freddie Knight in the game. Tabory or Tabory, his his um, turnovers were largely due to inexperience and 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 missing you know wide open receivers and, and that sort of thing and you know that that's only going to take time and 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 hopefully quite honestly he doesn't get it this year in game experience he gets it from practice because we need Freddie Knight to win ball games and and uh, you know. We definitely hope we see him this weekend. So, Mitchell, what what are some of the emphasis the emphases that we need to to be looking at? Um, and I'm I'm just going to put it on the offense because from the performances our defenses our defense has made so far in these games, I, I think that they've pretty well got it covered. Uh, you know, dumb mistakes here and there, and just overmatched physically that's not something that we can really change you know scheme is scheme looks good we're attacking we're doing well right so offensively what do we need to emphasize on to get this offense going uh well uh, first i think we have to emphasize don't get hurt <laughs> you know let's bring in a miracle healer or whatever you know just be uh, having the guys we have go down that's that's really been tough but uh, more than anything uh uh all joking aside i i think we need to uh reestablish the run game uh, the run game really let us down against Toledo and um, I, I think the run game for us opens up the passing game not vice versa and so I think that uh, we need to get uh, our backs uh, more involved again I, I, I didn't see a lot out of Gordon this last week he wasn't able to move the football Obvi- obviously Tabry had uh, uh, a lot of trouble I, I know he's a pocket passer not nearly the same kind of runner that Freddie is but uh, that just takes a whole different element out of our offense. And so I, I think we just really need to get back to who we are, and that's uh, run first, and then that opens up our short uh, passing game, especially to guys like J.D., and then it'll open up to, you know, a little bit deeper down the field to Trez and, and, and some of those guys. And so I, I really just want to see us go back to our bread and butter. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think – for me, I think one of the biggest things that we've got to emphasize on is taking care of the ball so that – and I don't want to just beat that horse completely to death, but if we take care of the ball, we're able to string together more plays and create a drive and go down the field and get points. And that's been one of the things that we haven't consistently been able to do is string together a drive to go down the field and score. And so, you know, like you said, you're 100% right. We've got to get our running game back in action the only real running success that we had against toledo uh were on you know jet sweep type handoffs to uh to jd you know when we just gave the ball to a running back we just didn't get much and that's a testament to toledo's defensive line because they're very talented but at the same time it's we just haven't gotten them going michael michael gordon i love the guy he's he has been one of the most explosive players to come through ASU in a long time, but he just seems tentative. He see he wants to dance too much. He doesn't want to put his head down and just run north and south. And I know that a lot of his game is speed and getting to the edge, but there are times when there have been holes in front of him, and he just, to me, hesitates and tries to juke somebody and instead of you know going north and south and, and hitting the hole. So I hope that the coaches are coaching up uh, you know him on that, and and I hope the coaches are are putting an emphasis on getting that running game going and taking care of the ball and and 
getting our offense back on track to the offense that averaged over 40 points a game last so if season. So I'm hearing you right, like uh, take the uh, – you know, uh, take the two to four yards that you see in front of you rather than, you know, going for the, the home run, 15-yard, 20-yard, even more gain. Yeah. Right. We, Go ahead, Jeremy. We are not uh, doing a good job of just getting the ball. Because the strength of this team offensively is that we have some incredibly athletic skill players, and we're not really getting the ball in their hands with position to make plays. Uh, we've been... Our passing game, particularly against Toledo, is more vertical. When in the past, we've had a lot of success by getting the ball into your guys' hands and making them and letting them get a lot of the yards after the catch. That's how we heard them in the bowl game is, you know, we had over 400 yards passing, and I bet you out of those 400, I bet you 300 of them were after the catch. Would you say that's a fair estimate? Probably, and yeah. I think we we touched on on that in, in podcasts in the past. And it's a big it's a big thing. That's 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 J D McKissick's bread and butter. Yes, and and J D and not only him, but you know Trez Houston made some plays after the catch. He can make people right. miss. He's got a little bit of shake. Booker Mays has got some shake to him. You know, uh, if you can hit those types of throws, then that opens up the down the field passing game because you creep your safeties up a little bit. Um, Seems like we weren't doing that. We were playing, you know, um, letting their D line pin their ears back and come after our quarterback. Meanwhile, their safety set back and and you know covered the deep ball, and there wasn't anything in between. You know, in the close. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, I-, I was just going to say the, a, a- the closest thing I saw to uh, um, to what you were describing, uh, we it, we almost had like a flash of uh, this is about to happen with somebody like a Warren Wine in, in the game against Toledo and. Um, but other than that, it it you know, and he's obviously got that that same ability to make people miss or just blow by them down the field, and you know, on a short dump off or whatever. But uh, that just really never materialized. We never were able to string two, three, four of those passes together. Did you have something else, Jeremy? Uh, that that was basically it. Um, okay. Our game plan was good against Missouri. I thought we attacked them and got the ball to JD in space and and several of our guys in space. It just wasn't as good this past weekend, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll talk about uh, what Idaho is going to bring at us. Can I talk a little bit about that? You mind? Yeah, yeah take research. it away. Okay. Let's, let's get on something positive. Okay. Idaho, we're 20.5-point uh, favorites for that game. And the line kind of surprises me, but they're a team that um, has some weapons. They just give up a lot of points. And uh, last weekend they got beat 44-20 to by uh, Georgia Southern at home. Uh, what they do is they they are a vertical passing team. They've got a quarterback, Matt Linehan, who is completing almost 68% of his passes for over 1,100 yards, um, and uh, but only five touchdowns and six picks. So he's definitely prone to the turnover himself. And they got one receiver who is, is big time. Uh, his name is Desmond Epps, and uh, Paul Petrino has done an amazing job of keeping his four separate off-the-field instances from allowing him to play. I don't know how he does that, but uh, he finds ways to keep him on the field despite the fact that he quite possibly shouldn't be. Um, so anyway, uh, that's what we got there, um, uh, is that um, they've got one one guy who they throw the ball down the field to, and uh, if we can find a way to slow him down. 
33 catches, 464 yards, and two touchdowns for Desmond Epps. That's his numbers. So that's, that's impressive. That's big. So it sounds like they're pretty one-dimensional. So what what is the key for our defense uh, to shutting Idaho down? Don't give up the big pass play. Make them dump it in front of you. Make them drive the ball down the field on you. Uh, they're running back. Well, he has 285 yards, averages less than four yards per carry, and they're probably not going to run on our defensive front like they did last year. They're probably not going to drive the ball on us. Just don't let them behind you. I agree. Uh, Mitch, what do you think that uh, our offense has to do to uh, pull out a win against Idaho this weekend? I think it just goes back to what I was talking about just a second ago. I think we uh, we need to reestablish uh, what we're good at. And I, I want to see Michael Gordon uh, early. I want to see uh, – and I, I'm just going out on a limb and assuming Freddie's playing. I, I want to see him uh, help us establish that that run game. Guys like Warren Wine, they, they all need to be part of that. And then, um, you know, get a get an early – score on Idaho. I think that's going to go a long way. Let's jump on them early. Um, you know, don't don't get behind and play catch up ball because then then it's going to resort to us being uh, having to throw the rest of the game and and we don't want to see that. Uh we want to at least be able to establish that run game, make them play at our pace and um it's homecoming. I, I think we can do that. Yeah, I agree. Uh and I think you know, one of the things that we need to do is keep our special teams going. Uh, JD set a record last weekend, uh, for, uh, the most kick return yards in a game, a state record. Uh, and he was uh Sunbelt special teams player of the week for his performance. Uh, and a lot of that was helped by a 92 yard kickoff return. So, uh, I think if, if we keep our special teams going with Luke punting the ball extremely well with our, uh, kick and punt coverage, um, you know, doing as well as they've done. That's been that really has been a bright spot is our special teams. Even last season, uh, our special teams outside of the kicking game itself um, was really good. Um, and I think um, we haven't touched on this uh, in our our recaps of the previous games, but we've got this new kid in uh, JUCO transfer came in real late. Uh, his name is Chris Murray. Uh, he's an A back type of. Uh, uh, player kind of filling in that position behind Tyler Trussine. And he we've had him back on punt returns, and he has made some boneheaded plays. <laughs> yeah. Some of the craziest fielding of punts I've ever seen this season, and has, it has really bit us in the butt and cost us. And so, you know, Coach Anderson, if you're listening, I love you, but take this guy out of the punt return. Blaze and let's Taylor. Put somebody, yeah. And, I, and and I'm glad you said that because the reason Murray is out there is because Blaze has been uh, had an ankle injury. He's been nursing and just hasn't been able to, to play. And we're really crossing our fingers that Blaze is healthy. It sounds like he's getting healthier and may be able to play. Haven't heard officially on that. Um, but uh, Blaze did an excellent job uh, fielding punts last year. Um, so here's to hoping that uh, he's healthy. And can go on to the uh, to play this weekend. You know, and um, I I I I just want to add some something about the special teams, and I, I guess I'm glad that we didn't necessarily do that with uh, JD this week. Um, but in most cases, I think this is uh, how it operates. Um, whenever uh, whenever you see a guy get rattled early, 
have a short leash on him. You know, uh, I, I know guys, yeah. the coaches like to have their guys out there and reestablish their confidence. You know, same with the with the, a manager in baseball. You know, leave your pitcher Do out there. Practice. But uh, you know, if he's fumbling early in the game, odds are he's probably going to fumble in a big situation late in the game. And so, just be careful about uh, watching to make sure that uh, that it, you know he's his head's on straight. Yeah, I I agree with that hundred percent. Uh, it's definitely something to pay attention to. Um, well, let's uh, let's keep rolling with this, and we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, you know, we've kind of talked about our Idaho game. Let's go ahead and just kind of talk for just a couple minutes about uh, what we think of how, just based on what we've seen so far this season, how do we think, uh, you know, predicting the future Nostradamus style, what are we going to look like through the rest of conference play? Uh, Jeremy, what what do you think in your gut – uh, about how we're going going to uh, go through our our conference schedule. My gut honestly says about that we're going to win five or six conference games out of eight. I I really think that we will lose that game at App State, and I feel pretty soundly about that. I real feel pretty soundly that we'll win this weekend. We'll beat New Mexico State. We'll beat Georgia State. I think we may choke up, you know, on one other game, probably on the road, and it's probably going to be, you know, South Alabama or Louisiana Monroe. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to go a little bit on the optimistic side, and my guess is we go about six and two. Six and two. <laughs> six and two. That's a good pick. <laughs> I, yeah. I I I think I think that's about right. Um, I uh, you know, just uh, I was. Uh, kind of thinking over the the schedule today um and and i i for some reason seven and five kind of sticks out you know I, i'd love to be bullish and say eight and four and that you know we uh we go seven and one in conference but uh you know that I, I i'm looking at our home games and i i think those are all positives you know uh having the ull at home uh georgia state you know if if we can't win that well then we can you know just uh throw away the season and then, uh, and then Texas State, who's had a really bad start to the year, I think that that's also a win. So you, then you're looking at your your away games, you know. And this is all assuming that Idaho's a win. You know, a good performance this week will go a long way to be able to tell from the weeks after. So looking at South Al, South Al, Appalachian State, and Louisiana Monroe, and New Mexico State, you ought to win the New Mexico State and uh, and the Monroes and the South Alabamas. Golly, that that App State game at Boone is going to be really tough, and and to make it worse, you know, it's the start of a three-game road stretch. So, um, you know, not only uh, you, you have a bad game at App State, you could be licking your wounds by the time you go to Monroe, Louisiana, and that's not something you want to do. And so, uh, I I really I I think six and two is a pretty good uh, spot to say that uh, because I I can't point to Monroe or I can't punt, uh, point to uh, you know, South Al or Lafayette, but but I think that uh, the App State's probably a loss, and uh, you'll probably drop one more in there that you don't want to. Yeah, I agree with that. I like that six and two number, but when I was thinking about this question, just myself, I really, I really have a, I guess, kind of a, a bad feeling about going down to South Alabama. Um, just because they tend to play us very tough, um, and do. so I can I can see us dropping that one on the road. You know, we've talked amongst ourselves just about how 
on the road that we just, I don't know, we just don't show up on the road sometimes. And so I can I can easily see that one. I agree 100% about that App State game. They, they got us good last year. They just kind of, we went into that game thinking we had it, and they just kicked us in the pants. And uh, and so far, they've really started out well this season. They just beat Old Dominion forty nine to nothing this past weekend, and they look good. And they've got Marcus Cox, probably one of the best running backs in the conference, sophomore, uh, and a sophomore and a good quarterback, and just an overall good team. And I think that they're probably. And Chase has said this all season. Uh, they're they're probably going to be one of the teams that beat conference wise so anyway long story short i think five and three or six and two at best is what we're probably looking at which isn't going to be bad you know that leaves us uh you know six and six overall in the season seven five similar to last season does that get you bowling i would love for us to be i don't think this year six and six gets us bowling depending on how the rest of the conference shakes out um you know some teams have looked bad uh, this year we've got Georgia State, or excuse me, Georgia Southern that is eligible. App State's eligible. Neither one of those teams were eligible last season uh, due to them just joining the conference, uh, and they were both had enough wins to be eligible. So, you know, we've got teams to contend with. Whereas last season, uh, we kind of, in my opinion, we kind of got it by the skin of our teeth uh, that we were picked, um, you know, and some others were left out. So, I think. I think seven and five is the minimum to get us in a bowl this year, and and hopefully yeah, we can do that, it. So, well, guys, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. We're doing it a little bit different this week as far as uh, talking about the Sun Belt as a whole because we had so much to cover. So we're not going to go through the schedule of games. Uh, just stick around for our next podcast next week, and uh, we'll pick back up kind of our normal routine. But uh, let's just talk about a few Sun Belt notes. Uh, just anything noteworthy. Uh, this worth talking about, uh, Jeremy. Do you have anything you can throw in? Well, definitely. Uh, the big news is uh, on the hands of uh, Texas State giving up fifty plus points in each of their games so far. Uh, former A State and their current defensive coordinator, John Thompson, has resigned. Um, not a lot of fanfare, a lot of a lot of national news, but I'm guessing that JT was just a little bit worn out and and beat down, and he stepped down at Texas State. That's probably a good thing for us as Arkansas State fans because they played a definitely inspired defensive effort against us last year, and uh, we may not see that this year. So, uh, but anyway, John Thompson, good guy, you know, hated for him. Definitely, he is uh, stepped down as a defense coordinator. One thing I'll say about Coach Thompson that I loved, uh, that really made me respect him. was just his energy and the way that he cared for his players uh, when he was here. Uh, it just really made me respect him and just as a coach and as a person and just how he conducted himself. And So we wish the best for Coach Thompson. We hate the way it's gone, but, uh, you know, it's the business. It's the way it is. Um, and uh, just got to, you know, keep going forward and, and see what happens. Um, Mitch, do you have anything noteworthy? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a – uh, this week, and uh, I'm not sure exactly where they're playing, but uh, it, it's I guess a the, one of these Sun Belt rival rivalries. Uh, you've got Troy going against South Alabama, and they're battling for uh, for the belt. Uh, so in in the Sun Belt, they they've got a they've got their own little trophy battling for the belt. So I think that's a that's a game to just keep an eye on. Not not that Troy's going to be good this year, but you know it's just. Uh, 
I guess for because we don't necessarily have a whole lot of uh, rivalries. We got ULM and ULL, and so it's just fun to see those types of games being played. And so, uh, you know, I, uh, I I wholeheartedly expect South Alabama to win that game, but uh, it, you know, at least something's on the line, and it's uh, bragging rights for those two teams. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I actually miss playing Troy, so I'm ready for them to be back in our yeah, I agree. rotation. Um, I think, really, to wrap this little talk up, I think the most noteworthy thing that I'm going to throw into this uh, ring is the fact that uh, Louisiana Lafayette got shellacked by Akron. Mm-hmm. That's um, it's not pretty. I don't know. I don't know what that says about ULL or Akron, but uh, I think the score was fifty something. To I don't remember exactly what it was. It doesn't matter. They still got smoked, um, which is uncharacteristic so um the optimist in me is really crossing my fingers and hoping that uh quite frankly ull sucks uh <laughs> so that that definitely works in our favor all right guys we uh we've kind of beat all this up tonight uh we've kind of gotten caught up where we've kind of missed out the uh, last few weeks and uh, we're hoping to get back kind of on a regular schedule for all you listeners out there uh, Red Wolves fans tuning in, and we again thank you for spending your time with us. Um, we got to pick this week's game. Yep, that's next on the agenda. We're going to give our score predictions and our crazy prediction uh, for the game against uh, Idaho. So, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and lead that off? I like Arkansas State to win this ball game by a count of thirty-one to twenty. I think it'll be a struggle for a while. It's not going to be one of those halftime games that. Um, fans can leave at half. Uh, well, it's not going to be one of those homecoming games that fans can leave at halftime and feel that the uh, outcome is uh, in doubt. But uh, we uh, we win by two scores, thirty-one to twenty. But it's going to be a game that we sweat well into the third quarter, and uh, you know, hopefully, we find a figure a few things out and, and pull away with a win. Mitch, what do you think is the the score? Well, uh, judging off of uh, how our, our kicking game's been, I, I think I've got to go in uh, multiples of seven this week. And so I, uh, I'm i going to say 35-14. Uh, I think we jump on them early, and I think we uh, lead most of the game. And, uh, and uh, you know, we'll, maybe they score a touchdown per half. And, but I think that uh, we uh, really rebound. I think the offense looks great. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know if the game will necessarily ever be in question, but, uh, you know, I, I do think it'll be interesting enough to uh, to keep most fans around to, to the end of the fourth quarter. I, I like that prediction. I like both of those predictions. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit different route. Uh, I am predicting a, a good A-State win. I'm going to say a score 35 – excuse me, 38 to 21 A-State. But I think that it's going to be close at halftime. Uh, I want to, you know, something like, you know, tied up at 14. And then we're going to just run away with it in the second half. A uh, little bit of a nail-biter, and then we take it away. Kind of like what happened last season. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say 38-21, final score. A stayed on top, but it's going to be a nail-biter uh, through the half. So that's my prediction. Uh, let's go to our – our traditional crazy prediction. Uh, Mitch, you got a crazy prediction for us for this Idaho game? Yeah, I think uh, we're going to see the return of uh, the special team playmaker. I think J.D. McKissick runs one all the way back. You know, uh, 92 yards this past week, we'll say 93 
against Idaho. <laughs> I hope you're right. That would be awesome. Jeremy, what do you think is going to be the crazy? Our ground game gets going. We rush for 200-plus yards as a team um, this week, and uh, that will be a combination of Michael Gordon, uh, hopefully Freddie Knight, and Johnston White, 1-1. One, one. But 200-plus uh, yards rushing, which is a significant improvement from the minus 14 we had last week. That sounds great to me. Uh, my crazy prediction um, isn't really going to be all that crazy uh, on face value, but based on our performance so far, I'm going to say that we don't have a turnover. Uh, I'm going to say that we come out ready to actually play. We come out prepared. Freddie plays, fresh legs, healthy, and uh, we just uh, play solid ball. We will win um, the game guaranteed if we don't turn the ball over. I, I agree 100%. I think that uh, you're right on the money. I think that turnovers have been the bane of our existence this season, and I think that had we erased some that we've already committed – you know, we'd be we would have had a lot different conversation earlier in the show. So, anyway, not to beat a dead horse. No turnovers. Crazy prediction. A state's gonna win. We're gonna send the Fighting Petrinos back to Idaho, back to that miserable little pointy top corner of uh, that state out in the middle of nowhere. Napoleon Dynamite can be an, a Vandal fan, but I'm not gonna be. State's rolling this weekend. Everybody, show up at Centennial Bank Stadium. Wear red, cheer on the Red Wolves, get excited. It's homecoming. Uh, stick around for the homecoming uh, crowning of the king and queen at halftime. Or go enjoy some nachos, whatever you prefer. Stick around after it. How about that? Yeah, how about sticking all the way through to the last second of the fourth quarter? <laughs> that would be great, it wouldn't it? It would be it? fantastic. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening to the Wolfcast. Again, check us out on Facebook, like our page. Follow us on Twitter. We're pretty active on Twitter. We like to tweet a little bit, trash talk, retweet stuff. Just check us out. Follow the podcast. You, you can subscribe on iTunes. Check us out on our ASURW.com page. Stream the podcast. And, again, thanks for joining us. Catch us next week on the Wolfcast from ASURW.com. Let's not ring the bell. Let's light the tower. Let's crack that bell. Arroo!